what's good for the body is good for the soul. You know what? You're my soul. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, what's new with hey, you, dude, I like your I like your beanie, dude. You like it? You guys a new one? Cotton on. No, no. <laughs> let me tell you. The last time I went to Dallas, Texas, the old stomping grounds, uh, <laughs> yeah. we went to the mall and okay. I went to Cotton on. You know Cotton on. I know Cotton on, yeah. Uh, formerly of Australia. <laughs> formerly? I think, you know. <laughs> Did they leave Australia? Like, well, they, they left just the Commonwealth. Widened their breadth. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I went to Cotton On and I got a couple of, of teas, and they were like, "Pick a beanie out for free." What? And I was like, "That mustard yellow one's kind of cool." That's pretty nice. Yeah, you might recognize this shirt as well. Uh, yeah, Star Wars. That's uh, that's from when you came to visit me. Yes, a few weeks back. Yes, indeed. That was a fun time. That was we a fun time. To get a, we planned to get an episode in. We were supposed to do this movie. Yes. But, but yeah. Yeah, just, we just you know, didn't vacation. end up doing it. What's new vacation. with you? You're uh, I, One thing I've noticed, and I'm sure the listeners with their eyes have noticed as well, you've got a few posters behind you there. What looks like uh, yeah. Logan, Kong, Skull <laughs> Island. What is that, 10,000 BC up towards the left there? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no. These uh, are two uh, Last Jedi posters here. Oh, very cool. Okay. Uh, because uh, it's one of my – it's probably my in my top three mm. Uh it was but, that Charlie Hunnam up there? That's a bit of a controversial topic. Yeah, this is uh, this is uh, Guy Ritchie's King Arthur, Legend oh, of the Sword. Yeah, Knights of the... Uh, yeah. which I don't know that it's a great movie or even a good movie, but it is a fun movie, so... Yeah, yeah. Guy Ritchie, did he do that... Uh, that wasn't him that did that Robin Hood with Taron Egerton uh, or Egger... Was it? I don't know. Did and Jamie Foxx. I, I know you love that movie. Yeah, it's one of my top ten... <laughs> We'll see that make a debut in next season for sure. <laughs> Films have changed me. Uh, no, I just wanted to get a new, you know, halfway through this, or really it's mid-season now. I guess we're between seasons, so I just wanted a new look. But that's not true at all. I just have family at, uh, at home, so I don't want to commandeer the living room as I normally do. I see. So I just put some random posters I had that I never actually put up anymore. So. You're trying to impress your family, and the first thing that popped in your mind was, I'm going to take all my movie posters up and put them on my office wall. <laughs> sure. <laughs> No, well, this is actually a closet. My office is a mess. Uh, that explains the brooms that we can see next to you there. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, uh, the viewers might not know this, but while we're recording this, your birthday is only a few days out, right? Yeah, my birthday's on Friday. We're recording this on a Sunday, Monday? Or yeah, Tuesday? we're recording this Monday. on a Monday. Yes. And my birthday's Friday. And yeah. your birthday is on a Friday. And you're yeah. turning big three uh, the big three O. The yeah. old dirty 30. Flirty and, and uh, QWERTY? <laughs> QWERTY? Did you say QWERTY? Yeah. <laughs> little keyboard humor for you. Typists yeah. everywhere laughing their arses off. <laughs> arses. Um, yeah, it's pretty nice. It's okay. No different than... I'm sure it won't be any different than Thursday will be. <laughs> yeah. I actually turned 25 this year as well. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean as well? <laughs> hey, uh, have you watched anything since we spoke last? Anything interesting? I know you were oh, saying man. you watched The Gift the other day. We normally we normally wait till the end of the episode to talk about this, but yeah, I watched The uh, Gift uh, yesterday. Yeah, some some of my family members are here, or my wife's family members, really. So my family members, <laughs> and uh, they asked for a movie, and I was like, just going through stuff, and I was like, oh, The Gift. I haven't watched that in a while. 
Let's just watch that. <laughs> yeah. The crowd plays her uh, as got, always. <laughs> well, they were like, oh, this guy's creepy throughout the entire movie, which, yeah, he is. But then I was just like, you guys don't even know what you're in for. <laughs> it just gets so dark. I, I'm trying to remember. Jason Bateman and his wife are visited yeah. by Joel Egerton, right? That's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He plays that role really good. That kind of like. Is, it's Joel Egerton's uh, director debut. So. Oh, really? Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. That's good. funny because, yeah. Because good. Uh, the uh it's funny that you say that you mentioned that because your movie recommendation to me endearing love it, oh, it is actually it does kind of have a similar vibe to the gift because joel edgerton's could, character yeah, a little bit of a stalker is the same as jed's character in yeah. enduring love yeah and yeah, one one thing that uh i kind of did some research on it afterward and one of the biggest takeaways that reviewers had about enduring love um which is older yeah, it's 2005, I think. And it's actually, it came, 2004, it came out the same year okay. as Layer Cake did. Have you seen Layer huh. Cake? I, I started it, I never finished it because I was very like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the beginning is very... Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it has kind of a, they're, they're both kind of like Euro films, right? Like yeah, yeah, you can yeah, You can feel so. that like... Uh, it's, a, it's got a very like British yeah. uh, feel to it yeah i, I can't i can't it. ever pin down that but like Broadchurch, the series has that same feel to it yeah and like yeah. all the Love doctor that. who stuff that's not like sci-fi yeah. i'm talking about like just countryside yeah. euro feel it feels lower budget but like the content the themes are like really oh, strong you know yeah uh but one thing that everybody was saying about it was jed the stalker's character had that approach of like like very uh approachable puppy dog eyes innocent looking almost dude mm-hmm. i would say the same thing about joel edgerton in the gift he approaches the audience is kind of like this innocent party yeah and jason I, bateman's I, wife in the in the movie is like questioning everything you know yeah i would uh i would say that uh if joel edgerton uh showed up and uh tried sweet talking to me i'd be a little bit thrown off yes. until i noticed the earring and i'd be like oh this guy's fine yeah i see what you're saying yeah absolutely yeah, yeah this guy's let's great. welcome him yeah let's have him sit down for a donut or something obviously donut. yeah but yeah <laughs> we just put these up from Krispy Kreme. <laughs> yeah. it's funny you should stop by got a piping hot fresh box of dunkin donuts yeah anyway oh, enduring anyway. love that's a trip dude that's a trip yeah i wanted to to hear from you how how it was because i had watched it a long time ago not when it came out but i remember when i i think it was when i first heard about daniel craig getting the 007 role yeah and i was like oh who is this guy didn't right. really know who he was and then i started looking him up and, and you started layer love. cake and <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i watched uh i watched enduring love and i don't remember it really at all other than i thought it was good when i watched it but yeah. i couldn't remember it at all so i wanted it's to, solid you asked me what what, yeah. what should i watch and i was like hey check this one out why did that come to your mind because i literally that day i was like oh i should watch this again oh really i can't remember how it came across my mind or anything but uh i was like i need to watch this again i just don't know where or when and then you asked me later that day there was a phase in college for me where i was very much so into like the psychological thrillers like that like those mind-bending movies like that's where my wife is right now circle you've seen circle which circle? Not the circle with Tom Hanks and Emma Watson, but okay. circle where the twenty seven very indie movie. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that I watched Moon. 
sunlight yeah. i'd kind of give that a little there's bit one, uh it's similar to circle there's one called 13 sins yep seen 13 sins yeah, that one's pretty pretty good it's very indie as well yeah i love and then there was that one movie and i can never remember the the name of the movie but i know that the score is like super captivating it's the one where uh oh. like the the guy uh milo ventiglia or whatever's in it you know uh and he like is a psychopath and i can't remember the these people are by the end of the episode yeah i'll remember it yeah it's so good but it's funny it's okay go ahead that and like this enduring love they're all kind of like the same in my yeah, they mind because they're all similar. like that indie psychological thriller yeah. like currently i'm in this uh phase of like i'm especially after watching this movie that we're about to talk about i'm in this phase of like i want to watch indie groundhog day like films like that have that theme of like like happy death and- day Happy Death Day. You know what's funny? Like Happy Death Day looked like it was gonna be total crap. I watched both of them. They were actually really, really good. Like they were, they were solid. Like fun. You know, like it wasn't. I'm, it's not gonna get in the Academy Award or anything like that. Right. But it's it's right. solid. It's fun. Yeah. And it's like it's it keeps you engaged the entire time. And I think those kind of films can either go one way or another. Right. Where you'll be bored with it, the same thing happening over and over again, or you'll be intrigued with like how different things happen in those looping mechanisms of the film. So like uh, 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 one that I watched actually just last night was Ark. It's an okay. indie film on yeah. Netflix. I think it's a Netflix original actually. Oh, really? And I think Army, uh, not Army. What's the guy that played the Green Lantern? Uh, not the Green Lantern. Ryan Reynolds. No, the green, the other green one from the CW or when they were the CW. Oh, I, I know who you're talking about. Uh, the DC uh, character. Yeah, it's uh... – <laughs> He has an his, arrow. His, yeah, his brother. <laughs> Green is, arrow. His duh. brother's also an actor or whatever. Yeah, his brother is yeah. in this. Chris O'Donnell? Um, no, but looks no. like him. I know who you're talking about. Amel. Robbie Amel is the guy in Ark. Amel. And, Got it. Amel, sure. Whatever. And then his brother that plays Green Arrow. Chris is what? Amel. Is it Chris Amel? I think. Is it Chris? I don't think uh, it's Chris. Knows? I think it's something else. But Maybe it's Robbie. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> but you know what's funny? There's a movie on... I I don't think it's a Netflix original, but I watched it on Netflix a couple months ago with both of them. It's called Code Eight, and it's also an indie movie. Oh. And I think they produced it or something. Yeah, but it was actually really good. It's it's got a similar premise to uh, the other Netflix original Steven. movie called uh, what? Stephen Stephen Amell. Yeah, Amell. 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 Anyway, the Code Eight movie that they produced and that they star in it has got a similar um, theme and plot to a new Netflix movie that just came out uh, last month, I think, called uh, Project Power. Yeah. With Jamie Foxx and... Uh, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. That one was... It has a lot of flaws. It's okay, but it's got flaws. And this one, I feel like, is even stronger compared to that one. So, But anyways, I guess that's a lot of stuff to, to watch if you guys wanted to watch. Yeah, dive right in. <laughs> dive right in. But we are going to dive in yeah. to... Inside oh, Lewin Davis. One day. Oh. And then uh, one day is <laughs> one, one of those. That's like. Oh, yeah. A, one day does have that day. kind of looping. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I wrote oh, a couple down. Edge of Tomorrow has that, obviously. But uh, about the dark? ones that I was. The ones I'm really into. What? <laughs> what about that one with Ethan Hawke? That one. That Predestination. One, yeah, that one's kind of like that. I really want to re- rewatch that one because I remember liking it. And you said that we watched it together. I don't remember watching it together. Yeah, but yeah, I'm did. sure we did. But yeah, I want to watch it again because I remember liking it. So I just want to check it out again. But the. The, the kind of movies that I'm I kind of want to watch right now 
is uh, like these indie sci-fi that have that looping thing. So Ark was one of them. And then there's one called Time Crimes, which is actually a Spanish language sci-fi thriller. Time Crime? Time Crimes. Nice. Yeah. And it's, it, it looks pretty good. I haven't watched it yet. And then there's one that I watched a long time ago called Primer. Same thing. Oh, yeah, really, yeah, yeah. Really, low budget. Uh, yes, like I know what you're talking 2000s, about. Early 2000s, I think. Yeah, yeah you, know, you know Primer. Yeah. So those are the ones I want to watch. There's also Run Lola Run, which is a, a German experimental film that I've been wanting to. I've had it on my list for a long time, but never got around to it. But yeah. Yeah. But anyways, uh, speaking of the loop stuff, uh, Here we are. inside Lupin Davis. Inside Lupin, Lupin Davis. L- Lupin Davis. <laughs> uh, yeah. Inside Lupin Davis. Let, I just want to kick it off with like, what are your initial thoughts when obviously this isn't your first time seeing Lupin Davis, no, but yeah, like, I, when you watch this, like what do you leave your viewing? Did you and Manu watch it together? No, we did not. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think she likes something like this? I do not think she would like this. She, yeah, no, she wouldn't like this at all. Just because but of it's it's slow or what? Um, probably because of the depressing nature of it. Maybe uh, the slowness might be a factor as well. I actually noticed that it was a little slower this time around. The first time I watched it, I really enjoyed it. Um, but it it wasn't my favorite by any means. I think I've garnered more appreciation for it this time around. Yeah. Um, but it did feel a little slower and not in a bad way, but it did feel a little slower that I was surprised when I looked up that the runtime's only like uh, it's uh, an hour and a half, maybe. I think if that I think an hour the 20, fact I think that it, it's slow to us and it's that short. The movie accomplished its goal. Like, yeah. like I, I think the point of all of it. As far as like speed and pacing goes, especially in that scene Hour where 40, sorry. he's going from New York to Chicago and back yeah. is like we want the viewer to be in in how he feels his life is moving. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. like he's he's searching for this fast track to greatness in folk music. But what he's come across is nothing but just like traveling through this constant snowstorm and like having to hike up this mountain to get to somewhere with very little return. So the fact that both of us feel that way, because I watched it. Fun fact. I watched this movie on the plane to your house. Oh, did you? (laughs) Funner fact. Every time I've seen inside Lewin Davis, I've been on an airplane. (laughs) really I've never watched it <laughs> on the ground <laughs> that's funny yeah yeah i've seen it like five or six times and every time yeah. i don't know why but like my mind is like oh we're gonna go on a flight i'm gonna download inside loon davis <laughs> i don't know anyway i i just think i think the the pacing is so intentional in that regard yeah um to make us feel that main character's kind of like journey in that regard yeah i i find it very intriguing that the coen brothers put like this road trip film in the middle of this film you know? right? like it's, yeah. it's, it really does become like a road trip film yeah. and even in a funny way because like lewin davis doesn't know anybody else in this car and no one of them doesn't speak pretty much the entire time and the other Johnny one Five. is just like angry yeah. like interjects all the time like he never lets lewin speak or finish the thought he's like uh what he asks him about his name and he's like it's welsh and he starts talking about it's well you don't look welsh <laughs> And he's like, yeah, my mother's Italian. And then he just keeps going, like interrupts him again. You don't look well. My mother was Italian. Yeah, this would interest you. Johnny and I were in Seattle. Like it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, John Goodman is just incredible all around. Always, Absolutely. no matter what he does. Yeah. But. Yeah. That, I, I agree. It's so interesting that like, it's so unprecedented too. And maybe, maybe there was intentionality there and the fact, and now this is also loosely based off of like, 
like true account of yeah, like very different loosely, folk artists. But, yeah. yeah. But uh it's like maybe that was intentionality of like, you know, we've seen Lewin living this life in Greenwich Village, kind of yeah. working the same routine. Now let's take him completely out of that and have him head to Chicago with these like random yeah. artist characters, Johnny Five and John Goodman's heroin addict. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's it's inter- it's an interesting take, it, it, but I I watched a behind the scenes, I, I, not a behind the scenes. I mean, it was a, I believe it was a Criterion edition. Yeah, of, the documentary. Yeah, but I watched uh, Guillermo Guillermo del Toro in, uh, interviews the Coen Brothers on uh, this and I in another earlier film. I think it was one of their first films uh, that they made, and uh, the Coen Brothers say that like that that part of the road trip was always in the movie. Like it was always going to be a part of the movie. I don't know. I, I tried thinking about like, why would they always have that in the film? Like it was always a part of the film. It wasn't something that just naturally came into the story. It was just like always there. They always knew there was going to be that. And I think it's just a part of that. Like, it, it, I feel like it's almost for a character that's so hopeless. Yeah. Like Lewin is, especially to the the viewers. I feel like giving that sense of hope to the character just makes him a little bit more adoring. Absolutely. Because like he goes to Chicago for a reason. He goes to Chicago to try to make something of himself. One last shot, basically. Right. On and the adverse, uh, though, like, I completely agree with what you're saying. That hope kind of gave us a, a little bit of a breath of life. And then that mm-hmm. that drop after his rejection or, like, yeah. his, him declining Bud Grossman's, you know, offer for a trio right yeah a trio. Uh, which set us deeper into the sludge of yeah you know like it, it, it's it's the coen brothers do everything so well in this film i feel like it, uh, one of the things i love is that we we start off with oscar isaac as lewin davis right away in the like in in the song hang me oh hang Right. And like they don't what I find really interesting is that in a lot of movies that follow a musical character that's kind of trying to make himself uh, something of himself, an an artist or whatever, uh, we almost get a lot of like um, what are those called when it's just like quick inner like intersections like kind of fast forwarding on what they're doing or whatever where it's like we only get glimpses into these songs yeah right over and over again right almost like a what like a training montage in a sports yeah. film right so like a lot of people i feel like in 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 films that do have these musical montages that's exactly what they do they create these montages to like like kind of go forward in time but in reality i feel like the coen brothers let us linger with oscar isaac throughout an entire song where we and the way Oscar Isaac portrays Lewin, like Lewin is like very passionate about what he's doing in Absolutely. that moment. And because of that, we kind of connect with the audience right away. Right. It's the very first scene right away. We're connected to Lewin. We want to see this guy succeed. We don't right. even know what the story is yet, but we know we want to see him succeed. Yeah. And I think that's something that especially for a character that is so down and depressed and such a the the movie is a downer. I mean, yeah. it, there is nothing happy about this movie. Really. No. So I think for a movie of that caliber, you have to create that connection with the audience. Absolutely. So quickly. Absolutely. And they really do that. They yeah. encompass it very quickly. Another, another movie like that, that I think is like the pinnacle of that concept is Manchester by the Sea. I think, I think. Yeah. Dang. It's the same. Wow. It's the same sort of concept of like, like 
it's very intentional that we're supposed to be in the 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 trenches with Casey Affleck, you know, like we're yeah. supposed to be feeling what he feels. But there's there's small moments of like humanity uh, and upbeat humanity that that keep us hooked onto him, you know, because mm-hmm. like you're saying, if we were presented with nothing but depression and sadness the whole time, why would anybody stay on that train? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But I, and I think like like I'm saying about the the road trip, like I feel like that was a little bit intentional in that regard was like, you know, we had seen the same sort of routine now, you know, he had been over to the, whatever that couple's name was. The Gorefines? Yeah, he'd been over to the Gorefines twice now, and he had been over to Jim, uh, Jim and Jean's Jim house a couple of times yeah. already. So it's like, okay, he's in this monotonous kind of like couch hopping, you know, mm-hmm. Al, or the, yeah, Al Cody was a nice kind of like break in that with, Love it. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> but like those things are, they're devices, they're intentional. And, and, yeah, and, and, I, and I, very crafty. Yeah. I think it's so, it's nice that you mentioned, mentioned about it. See, I wasn't even thinking about that um, because I think what both of these films do so well is that um, there is those, you know, these, these characters are like Gene calls uh, Lou in an asshole over right. and over and over throughout right. the film. And it's like, he is, there's a reason why he is. Um, I mean, uh, he certainly has like this uh, tragic, this tragedy that happened to him or to somebody close to him that has a deeply affected him. And the same thing in Manchester by the sea. But I think the Coen brothers and who, who I can't remember the, the director's name for Manchester by the sea, but the both sets of directors, they, they really sets. I don't think it was a set <laughs> in Manchester by the sea, but both directors uh, kind of almost like give us the reason why he's like th- these characters are all like this right in the perfect time because i right. think if he's just always an a-hole and we only see him you know being emotionally attached with musical performances or whatever then it's not we're not going to cling to that enough it's right. not enough to right. cling to that character right so when we realize what his the tragedy in his past is it's like wow okay there's a reason why he's like this he's not just an a-hole right that's it. yeah but, exactly but he certainly stays an a-hole. Like he wants to stay yeah. an a-hole. <laughs> but even still, like like an, another one of those glimpses of humanity is when he goes to see his dad in that facility. Yeah, like that that's was, true. That was pure personal emotion for him, you yeah, know, like yeah. connection. And that was another thing that like, like I get chills even thinking about that. Honestly, when you started talking about the start of the film where it mm-hmm. opens up in pure silence and, yeah. and room noise to him singing, like that, that was an emotional beginning like that. Mm-hmm. I, that has people who even have an, an ounce of like respect or care for music, even just hooked, you know, like that, that yeah. was, that was pure art. And then same thing with, and, and, and like you were saying about not just a glimpse of the song, like that first scene, the full song and that scene with yeah. his dad, the full song, you know, like yeah. those, those things. And and I think that's a big, that's a big magnifying glass on the character's passion for his craft. You know, like I, I think yeah. it's, it's, it's a nice change of pace to see a director linger on a song and really give that whole song. Yeah. I think the only time we see, only a partial moment of a song is right in the very beginning. He sings the first song and then the second song, which is actually his last song. We only see him start it. We don't finish it, but, uh, but it's fine because it is a loop. And at the right. end, we do see that song exactly. at the end. So, yeah, but, um, oh, that was tactful too. Like very, that, very, 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 very well done. Very, very tactful. It's yeah. like a, a painter with a brush. just like yeah. perfect. Like, yeah. Uh, but, uh, I do think the Coens do so well to like always anchor us back to like, 
Lewin because he is an asshole and he's constantly being terrible, really, right? Right. And yes, there's a reason for it, but you can't just like linger on that and that's it, right? But like, like an audience member will eventually not like this person. But there is that moment in the road trip where uh, j- the roles kind of reversed, and John Goodman is the one that's being an asshole to him. You know? right. So it's, it does super give us, necessary too. It gives us another another chance to connect with him yeah. uh, emotionally as well. So. Yeah, and even yeah, yep, yeah. No, and go ahead. So, that's so interesting too, like the dynamics of that, because then that puts him in a position of like, you know how he responds to John Goodman's character, who's kind of portraying the same character that he has been the whole time, you Uh know, like that, that like, uh, not arrogant really, but like that person who's like, so focused, I think, I think of, uh, like Ryan Gosling in La La Land, he kind of has that same approach to jazz music, you know, like, like it's not that he wants to be an asshole, but it's that (laughs) he cares about jazz so much that, yeah. He can't think of anything else in that. I think I think the problem with Lewin Davis, not as this character, I think the character is so well written by the, the Coen brothers. But I think the problem with Lewin himself is that he is so enamored with this concept of being his authentic self. Right. As an artist. Yeah. And it's it's so funny to me because like he almost like rejects everything else because he's trying to be his authentic self. It's so funny even because at the end of the film, the one artist that is probably being the most authentic as a folk artist is this this old lady playing an auto harp. Right. <laughs> and he's like basically calling her off, whether it is uh, something that just triggered him because right. his the bar owner says that he slept with Je- with Gene. Whether it is him just being triggered by that or not, it doesn't matter because he is the like the one authentic artist throughout the entire film, really. Right. And he's like he's bashing her right and like he even says like i hate folk music <laughs> as he walks away and i i think at the end it's so it's so emotionally charged because like i think he really means that he hates folk music right, right there because of it's given him nothing. what it's done to him right it's yeah, given exactly. him nothing yeah. yeah it's taken away from him even right so it's 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 such a it really is an emotionally charged moment in the film yeah i, I think oscar isaac oh my gosh just so brilliantly well here oh, I, I don't so. think i <laughs> i don't think i knew who oscar isaac was when i first watched this this was his breakout oh was it yeah this was his first thing um, no i think he did drive didn't he do drive Dude, before this no 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 that was uh ryan gosling no yeah but he plays carrie mulligan's uh husband that goes to prison oscar this was his this I, i'm 90 percent sure that this was his it's, breakout i'm sure it was thing. his breakout as far as like oh who is this guy like, right i think but that like, this was his first thing no dude I'm i pretty think so because sure this is 2013 when was drive Dude, uh, dude, dude, dude. Drive was 2011. So yeah, oh, shoot. Drive first. Okay. I think that was the first time I watched him, but I don't think I... Well, I mean, who I, was he in Drive, like, really? No, he yeah, was exactly. nothing. He was a very but, minor character. But yeah, he wasn't this, that minor, but he was minor in a This assist. was his thing, you know? This was definitely his, like, breakout, where right. people started paying attention to him, yeah. And it's funny, because, like, just a, a year later, maybe, two or three years later, I guess, he goes on to be cast as... <laughs> poe in in star yeah. wars and it's just like a major moment exactly in and it's kind of cool that like like adam driver's in this right yeah exactly <laughs> what a weird what a weird like coincidence yeah, yeah. hey uh kudos to the cohen brothers for being m- possibly the most uh flexible and dynamic directors out there because yeah this is i won't say completely unlike but severely unlike 
other stuff that they make. And when mm. you when you watch things like A Serious Man, No Country uh-huh. for Old Men, True Grit, Burn After Reading, yeah. Ballad of Buster Scruggs, uh, what was that one with George Clooney? Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar, yeah. Uh, everything is so diverse, so dynamic. Uh, yeah. And 100%. with exception of Hail Caesar, everything is so good. It's like, it's like, I think there's good trinkets in Hail Caesar, but I'm trying to think of one right now, but it's like, it's so hard. Thanks, but no thanks. For sure, though, this is their most somber, like, film, I feel like, that I've yeah. seen at least. Yeah. It's I mean, just, uh, what was I mean, the- there's definitely moments of somberness and, like, like, depression in their films. Uh, like, uh, I can think of plenty. I mean, Fargo has a lot of moments like that. Oh, Fargo. But, like, yeah, right. but like this is probably like the entire film, the entire time. Yeah. It's just such a, a heaviness to it, right? Uh, but I, I mean, it also has those moments of humor, you right. know? Yeah, Outer exactly, space. exactly. Right. Exactly, and that and that that Shout. yeah, that and like uh, and like um, oh shoot, who who uh, Roland Turner, John Goodman's character, those yeah. are are like the classic color yeah, yeah, brothers yeah, yeah, when yeah. we think about yeah, them. You yeah, know, definitely. those are little pieces that make me you know echo back to them, or like the Gorefinds. <laughs> the Gorefinds are dorks, gore you know, yeah, like those, those are people that those are characters that. The that they definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They, they gravitate to and that they write it really, really well. Right. I, I think my favorite Cohen brothers ness of this film is the the scene that they're they're in there and they're they're, they're uh, recording. Please, Mr. Kennedy. Yeah. And every time you see the shot of Justin Timberlake just over his shoulders, the ba- the bass player is just like having the best time of his life playing. You know? yeah. so like, oh. please, Mr. Kennedy. Oh, oh. I don't want to it's such a Cohen Brothers like I just feel like that's just so them. Yeah, <laughs> it's like he's just like in it so so good. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, the uh, the Coens lived in one of the apartments at one point. What? Yeah, like like the Cohen Brothers at one point were tenants at one of the apartments that they filmed in. Like hmm. either Jim and Jeans or Al Cody's. One of those two, that. the Coen brothers had like rented previously to filming in it. That's so funny. Yeah, isn't that that that's like a little piece of like uh life, like Cohen life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. Um, um yeah. I, go ahead, go ahead. I just think it's so real. I think it's so approachable. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's de- it's deep. I I don't want to say dark, but it's like deep and heavy. And, Mm -hmm. and sure that so often people say to me, like, why, why do you endure things like that? Or like Manchester by the sea was a big one that I think triggered a lot of people to think like, why would you ever watch something like that? Because there's no hope in it. There's no, there's no life in it. But like, like my problem with watching hopeful and life-giving movies only especially when i care so much about the craft of cinema is like cinema is an art form that's supposed to be capturing life and and mm-hmm. and it's like it's like people looking at 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 you know 
influencers on Instagram and saying, wow, that person is living a life and I don't understand how I can't be that person. Like the Coen brothers took something that's real, that, that, that's, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it might not be, it might not be the most approachable thing to Joe Schmo down the street to be like a, like a starving folk artist, but like the Coen brothers took something that is a real passion in people's life and, and that so many people struggle to start in and they took it and put it in an approachable way. And sure, there's no hope in it. Like, like one in every thousand people that want to be folk artists don't make it or break it. You know, like they're in the dumps, (laughs) they're in the trenches, but like Lewin is putting everything on the line for something he cares so much about. And I think that's such an approachable thing. And like the reason I watch things like this in Manchester by the sea is because like these things are real. Like, yeah, I mean, to, to be as cliche as possible art imitates life right that's absolutely how the way it should be. so i think you i think these kind of films are necessary to to keep us to remind us of like what we have and what we need to what we need to like how to move forward and right. i think that's so well written in this film it's like, i mean uh lumen is the is the character you don't want to be right? right you right. have to move forward or else you're stuck in this endless loop that 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 he is stuck in and it's uh, it's an interesting film that they. I, I think it's funny too because um, folk music historically ha- is about like the struggles and the hardships of like the poor and the, right. the lowly in need, yeah. right? So I, I think uh, Lewin is almost like encompassing what folk music is as a character, absolutely. Like in this entire film, and this film itself may even be like a, a folk song if you want to put it that way. I, I couldn't have but, said it better myself. It's like, but the it really movie is folk music, you know? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. So it, it's it, it's even funny because I feel like they even put because the 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 coen brothers are so well at like manipulating the humor and i don't think they that some of it may even go totally under your radar for some people because, right like uh i feel like folk music the revival the the revival of uh the folk music revival in the 60s was basically uh people appropriating these songs of hardships and struggles in like people that, that had money and power and they were like putting these they were they were being emotionally linked to these songs with something that they never really like physically went through themselves, you know, which I think there's something very beautiful about that in music. Music can do that to to somebody. It can give you uh, the ability of, of going through something like, you know, in your mind or through even a spiritual way, if you want to go that way about it, but uh, that you maybe will never have, you know, I think it gives empathy. uh, I think is a good way to say it. So I think it's good. But at the same time, you see like the gore finds are these like, Jewish academics who right. will never have that chance to struggle and they're just like so like that, that scene where they ask uh Lewin to play and right. you see like the gore finds like closing their eyes <laughs> yeah I fly up the river to the one that It's just like I feel like the the Coen brothers are so well at manipulating those moments of like humor that's like really just sliding in below the radar that you're you're not really gonna notice unless you kind of like really stop and think about it right. and like simmer on it. Yeah, I I find that the Gorfines chemistry in general is so interesting to me because like they had a relationship to both Lewin and uh, and Mike, yeah, Mike, yeah, yeah. which uh, funny Marcus Mumford is mm. Mike Timlin's voice in the movie. Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah. 
Yeah. No, I didn't know that. So like, yeah. that's kind of cool. Um, that is cool. Yeah. Which the Mumford and Sons and Oscar Isaac should definitely do like a collaboration I, album in the future because they function think, like so think, well uh, together. I think they brought Oscar Isaac out on tour for a little bit on a couple dates or something like that. Like, He's so that. good. He's so good. I mean, that's incredible that they were able to find somebody. I mean, Oscar Isaac was pretty much unknown at the time that they were able to find somebody with the acting chops, but oh also gosh. like the musicianship. A powerhouse in both in both yeah. columns. He is <laughs> yeah. an actor. He is an actor powerhouse and he is a yeah. musician powerhouse. Like he is yeah. insane. He even he even has like dancing chops if you look at Ex Machina. Oh yeah, that's true. Everybody's busy. Can wait for the night. <laughs> that's true. I've actually got the uh script here. Should I read out oh, the dance yeah. scene? <laughs> uh yeah um, yeah boy. oh but what i was gonna say was uh the gore finds chemistry with lewin is so interesting because um they never they never say who the gore finds are to lewin and the gore finds right, obviously no. yeah. know who mike is because right. they knew mike and lewin as a, as a duo and they had that they had his album you know mm-hmm. so i i find that so unique because i almost feel like lillian <laughs> Not, yeah, Lil- not Jillian. Lillian, I, right? I was feeling Lillian Gorfine had some sort uh-huh. of emotional connection to Mike as as uh, right. Lewin's partner. So in that I mean, moment, she does get very emotional right. in that moment with Oscar. Yeah, in that or moment, Lillian, it almost so. feels like uh, uh, like she had some sort of relationship to him. And the Gorfine, right, you know, for, it's easy for us to think that the Gorfines were maybe even blood related to Mike. You know, I was gonna say like they never really uh, mention it in the film if they're his, they were his parents or not because, uh, I mean, it, it, it uh, Lewin picks up their 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 album together and it says Mike Timlin, right? But then again, everybody except Lewin in the entire in the entire film has has stage names. So, um, I mean, Tim, Mike Timlin might have been a stage name, right? You know? Right. And the Gorfines could have could have been the, his parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting. It's that that's such an interesting dynamic to me. But it, yeah, it, it just good. brings so much so much humanity, so much life to it. And I agree. And, and the way the way she reacts and the way he reacts is just like uh, uh, just puts so much perspective on it. I just remember the the scene right after that. Well, I guess it's still part of the scene. Where Lillian comes back with the cat, and he's like, yeah. "Where's its scrotum? <laughs> Where's its scrotum, Lewin? Where's its scrotum? Where's its scrotum, Lewin? <laughs> yeah, uh, the cat. Let's talk about the cat. Because to borrow a line from uh, uh, Gene, uh, explain the cat. Explain the cat. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> like, right. Explain yeah. the cat. Because I mean, for sure, there's a there's a, a metaphor there. With, well, with Lewin, the cat's the only color in the movie, and and the cat oh, yeah. is like a bright orange. It's not yeah. like it's not like uh, orange that's coated in the vignette, right? Like monochromatic inside the Lewin Davis atmosphere, you know, yeah. like it's, it's bright. So it, there's definitely something there. I don't know what it is, yeah. but I, I was thinking about that uh, earlier today. And I, I, I wonder, cause I'm sure it could be plenty of things. I mean, you could, you just mentioned that he's orange, like Mike Timlin in the pictures had like this, like orange ish blonde hair yeah, or something like that. So I, it could represent Mike if you wanted to look you, at it. You started asking what the cat was about and I've got the Wikipedia page pulled up for 
uh inside lewin davis uh-huh. and i've had it up the whole time we talking because it, it's got like the cast and who they are and yeah uh and i just saw mike timlin's name before he started saying that and i was like oh shoot maybe it is mike like that it, makes yeah, so it, much sense it could totally be mike yeah um because mike, pers- mike is kind of like the reason why right i i think personally for me though i think it's i think it has to represent lewin for me personally just because uh i feel like his fleeting joy i mean his life kind of like running away yeah almost like his like he's so throughout the film we see him talking about like being his authentic this authentic artist right and i and and i think uh, the cat represents maybe his authentic self right and that he's like lost struggling loses the cat over and over again he can't keep the cat and I think it's like that. He's always trying to find that authentic self. And I think I don't think he ever actually gains it or even like leaves the cat behind. He's in the at car the glorified house moment. and it's somebody he, completely different. Yeah, exactly. That's the other thing. Like he brings the cat. Uh, he finds the cat in the cafe with, with Gene. And then he brings the cat back to the Gorefines and it's not the authentic cat. And it's that, almost like he that isn't scene is the, so full of turmoil. I keep hitting yeah. it. I keep hitting the microphone. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I don't know what the problem is, but I keep hitting it. <laughs> what did that do to you? Bro? I know. I know. Uh, yeah, it's it, that that scene is full of so much to- turmoil yeah. and almost kind of like a turning. Oh, I did it again. Only kind of <laughs> like a turning point in the film, and that's the point where the cat is. Where the cat is. Yeah, yeah. That's super interesting. You say that. That could be. I could be. Yeah. I I I think it. I, for me, it has to be. And then the name of the cat is Ulysses. Ulysses. Yeah. Which is uh. uh uh, the name from the from Homer's Odyssey, where he, you know, which is basically a story about a man who who's lost and can't find his way back home or whatever. Right. So, I think uh, I think there's so many things pointing to it, but I, it could certainly be whatever you want it to be. Um, Isn't Homer's but, Odyssey about uh, purgatory? Is it? I might be wrong. I mean, I guess you could you could also I, I'm sure you could put something like that to it as well, since he, he kind of goes he goes across like multiple islands before he finally finds his way home. So right, it could certainly be about that too. But yeah, I mean, it, there's there's something to say about even the the multiple chances that Lewin has to like change, to, right? To make different decisions, right? And become somebody else and like move past this uh tragedy in this past yeah um because i mean even with the the kid he finds out he has a kid I know, I was just in akron and then he like drives by akron and decides to i mean he could have done <laughs> you see like he's he's driving this car for this guy who's totally asleep knocked out and like he he hits the cat or whatever it was the animal that was crossing the street the, the the highway and then like he slams on the brakes and the guy just like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, shit. <laughs> like he's still asleep like he could have gone to Akron he could have like spent hours there and left if he wanted to and the guy never would have woken up so, right I mean he had so many chances to do something different to move past that thing that's holding him back and right. he just decides not to which and I mean it's so evident with the the looping thing at first I wasn't sure if it was like a perfect loop or if it was like just two different guys, two different incidents at the bar uh, that he that starts in the beginning and then ends the, the film. But it ha- it's it's a perfect loop because yeah. I, I think that scene at the end when he gets back from Chicago and he goes to stay at the Gorefines as he's walking in, Mr. Gorefine says, um, how long are you thinking of staying? And, and Lewin says one or two days. So 
when he wakes up in the beginning of the film, I think that's the second day. You know what I mean? And because like in the beginning of the film, he he leaves the Gorfine's apartment and the cat jumps out. But at the end of the film, he leaves the Gorfine's apartment and the cat he's able to keep the cat in. But I think those are two separate days. I don't think it's anything to do with like him changing right like he was able to change and now there's something different he was able to keep the cat inside i think it's actually two separate days and it's a perfect loop and that he's always going to stay in that same mundane living in that tragedy like simmering in his depression uh until he decides to change i don't think so (laughs) you don't think so i think that i think that was i thought that was very clear I thought I thought that that was saying like between his I'm not saying he's out of folk music either, but I'm saying uh-huh. between his his experience in Chicago and uh-huh. his experience with that guy in the alleyway, mm-hmm. that was his like wake up call. He he needs to change. You know, or, it could be. I, I think there's leeway there, especially with his uh, Alvar. 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 I'm not good at the French. Right. Alvar. So, yeah, it could be him even saying goodbye to his old self. You right. went to France. I did, but I, all I know how to say is Pana Chocolat. Yes, you do know how to say that. <laughs> That's true. That's true. If anybody wants to send us any fan food, it's uh, Pana Chocolat for, for JWoww here. That's his <laughs> pastry of choice for sure. Uh, um, yeah, uh, no, I thought I thought that that was the smallest ounce of hope at the end was uh, him like, I, keeping the cat in. Uh, it could be holding I, on to his I, true self i struggle to agree with that just because even i think there's multiple hints at the end even with like uh when he's done with his set he says that's all i've got you know like uh uh lewin says that's all i've got and it's like it almost feels like that's it he's either giving up or like this is it that's all he's got so that's all he's got to offer so that's all he's gonna keep giving yeah and then um as he's walking out of the bar to meet uh what's his name uh, Mr. I can't remember his name because it's 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 what's her name's husband, right? Davis. That he was booing. That he was asking to show the show. Sorry, show us your panties. Come on, show us your panties. Show us your panties, Betty. <laughs> oh yeah, but they didn't say her name, did they? I can't remember her name. <laughs> no, I don't think they um, said her name. I think he. I think the the bar owner says her name at one point. But anyways, um, as he's walking show out of the bar, you <laughs> show us your panties. Uh, as he's walking out of the bar you see bob dylan sitting down to do the next set and then he starts singing a song that's so similar to the song that uh lewin has been playing the entire movie and but it there's it's not the same song and it's very different and i think it's almost like an evolution of this traditional folk song that lewin is playing and it's like bob dylan we know he becomes successful right so i think like bob dylan is it's basically the Cohen brothers showing us that like uh, Bob Dylan has what it takes to change and evolve to move past whatever. Whereas Lewin is stuck there. He's stuck in that thing and he's not going to evolve. He, he's, he fears change almost. And I, whether it is that he's trying to, uh, he fears doing something different or maybe changing authentic folk music or yeah. he's, he doesn't want to change himself and move past what, mike gave him right because i think i think there's also that fact he's fallen out of love with with music i feel like because it feels like he's only wanting to do music either by himself or with what 
with Mike because he was happiest with Mike, obviously. Right. With what he was doing with Mike. And so I don't think he wants to move past that. And I think he's stuck where he is. And I feel I just feel like if the movie goes on for two hours instead of the hour, 40 minutes it is, I think we would see um, him just keep going, like doing the same thing. I don't necessarily think that I agree with what you're saying, it, it, that, that at the end with Bob Dylan is kind of like it's kind of like showing that that tr- transitional evolution of, of folk music and and and. Not necessarily who it takes, but like the mindset that it takes to move forward and like uh-huh. like that ability to be flex and to change. Uh-huh. And I don't think that the the cat at the end, for instance, is necessarily saying that that, you know, Loon is going to be better and then progress himself in folk music necessarily. But I do think that that's, that's him saying like, you know, being a better person. Yeah. And like, I I know now that like he's going to progress in his life and that might not necessarily be folk music because definitely towards the end we see, especially with how his last song ends that like, you know, folk is almost, uh, it's, it's done for him. Like, I I don't, I don't think he's going to keep playing music. But hmm. who knows, you know? I mean, it's what you said. Folk music, I feel like, is one of those uh, genres that's so hard to break into as far as like with success. Right. right? Because there, it really is. A, it's kind of a, a niche. In a yeah. Way. So, yeah. But no, I as far as like the Coen brothers, I, knock it out of the park with this one, I think. It's a very different style than they normally do. I mean, even if you look at the cinematography, apparently they wanted Roger Ebert or Roger. Why did I say Roger, Roger Ebert? Roger Ebert, yes. Roger Ebert. One of the best cinematographers <laughs> of our time. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. They wanted Roger uh, Deakins. Roger Deakins. Yeah. They wanted Roger Deakins, but I guess he was busy doing something. I don't know. I actually don't. I wanted to look up. Prisoners, I bet. Was. 2013. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, but they ended up getting uh, Bruno Del Bonnell, which they had actually worked with before on uh, Perry Jatem. Um, but I, I think Bruno does great with this. It's it's such a like, especially with the themes of the film, it's such a heavy like movie that like uh, the it's so dark. The film itself is shot yeah. so dark. Yeah. And I, I saw an interview and Bruno said that it's shot that way because it's such a low budget. They didn't have the budget to like light the scenes properly, yeah. but it's like it, you could have told me it was all done intentionally. And it like, I would have yeah. been like, yeah, Absolutely. obviously. Right. And it's, it, I think there is a part of it that is intentionality because, um, the way like the characters are all lit but like the rooms just fall into darkness it's like a it's like a precipice it just like falls into darkness off the frame and it's like it's showing you like the character and like what really matters in the entire film basically right yeah exactly and then and it it, it fits perfectly well with lewin's anger depression and all that stuff but then the way like the light is so soft too, and it's just like the way it wraps around uh, the, the faces of these actors. Yeah, like, it's vignetted it's a, a almost. Soft, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, 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 I think it fits perfect. Like it almost gives like a dreamlike quality. To Absolutely. The film. And I think it fits with like what like Lewin is trying to accomplish with like accomplishing like getting the success, but also uh, it almost gives you like uh, almost a sense of hope to the darkness that there is on right. the, on the, yeah. the same frame. You know, so yeah. 
I like it. It, it, it was interesting to yeah. see. Yeah. And I don't I don't think Roger Deakins would have done the same thing at all. I don't think this was something that came from the Cohen brothers. I think it came more from from Bruno himself. So I don't think that Roger Deakins I, I would be even intrigued to see how Roger Deakins would Deakins would uh do this because I don't think it'd be the same at all. I think Deakins has a very traditional approach to DPing. Yeah, I think 100%. I think he really values uh framing. He really values uh-huh. like like pure cinematography, which is great. Mm-hmm. Everything that he's done that I've seen is pure gold. Like yeah. he really knows how to work a camera. But this these films like this in this kind of vein of like uh you know it could have been something completely different under Deacon's direction. Like it could have yeah. uh, even genre. It could have been something completely different. I, I'm remembering now even uh, the Coen brothers said that when they hired Bruno, Bruno came to them with the cover of uh, Bob Free Will, the Free Will and Bob Dylan mm-hmm. cover album. Yeah. And the cover album was just Bob Dylan walking down a street in New York in this like brownish uh, jacket. Yeah. And, all the colors in New York are like just muted. It's winter and it's, it really fits the mold of what the movie is itself. And they're like, this is what we want. He was like, this is what I think the movie should be like. And they're like, let's roll with that. And yeah. I think they accomplished it. I, it feels very, very muted. All the colors are so muted. You said yourself that the, the only color in the film really is the cat. <laughs> right. And it's so true. Everything's so desaturated. Yeah. And it, it fits with, with what the themes are being explored. So yeah, everything about it, like, I feel like folk music kind of has that vibe too. Like it's very True. like, uh, you know, not necessarily lacking color, but it, it's it almost like wants to be. Out. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's funny because folk music also almost wants to be that. It, it, I feel like we, we mentioned that like uh, Lewin is the representation of folk music himself. And it really is because in the film as well, because folk music, I feel like is almost like, I feel like at least the people I know that really enjoy folk music and I, I see them, I feel like a lot of times saying how like the rest of the music in the world is such garbage. Right. Like it's trash. Right. It's not real. It's right. not authentic. Yeah. Which is like so, so much of what like Lewin represents. So, and what the film represents. So I think it's, it's really what the film almost like mocks. I feel like right. in a way. How do you so, feel this falls in the Coen brothers filmography? Uh, oh, man, it, it's hard because I think this is maybe the least Coen Brothers film, right? And the the like the the stature that the Coen Brothers like when you hear that a Coen Brothers is making a movie, you don't really think of this at all. So uh, it's hard when you look at at if you look at it from that perspective. But I think like as a film, out of all of the films the Coen Brothers has made, have made, I think this has to be in my top five, maybe three. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. It's so funny you say that because like No Country for Old Men and True mm-hmm. Grit are also like mm-hmm. not Coen Brothers in my mind. Yeah, that's true. But those are like two but no of Country the has most like a- acclaimed Coen Brothers movies out there. Yeah. I mean, Fargo is I, like pinnacle Coen Brothers. Fargo as well. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> it's hard because it, like there's so much in... You're right. No Country is very far removed from what we think of as a Coen Brothers film. But at the same time, there's so many moments in uh, in No Country that scream uh, Coen Brothers. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, that scene the of... The coin uh, toss scene. What's the most you ever lost in a coin toss? Sir? The coin toss scene. Yeah. I mean, the scene with the gas station. Yeah. Like there's just so much moments 
that just scream Coen Brothers. So it's it's really the Coen Brothers are like an enigma. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I I agree. I think this is probably my top three. Um, yeah. Have you ever seen a serious man? I did, and this this is a that's another one that like when you look at the credits and you realize it's a Coen Brothers film, you're like, what? Yeah, it's super good. <laughs> but it, it also it also has those moments of Coen Brothers, like the tornado at the end is just so like the the act of God thing. Yes, that like the Coen Brothers just like almost lean into in so many of their films. Yes. that like it, 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 there are so many moments in the series, man, that feel like Coen Brothers as well. So it's hard. It's hard to say. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think that I think I would go as far as saying this has to be in my top three because it's just a, it's such a like it's a it's solid filmmaking. Oh, it's such quality. It's yeah. I was thinking about like uh, descriptive terminology while I was in the shower actually right before mm-hmm. this how I would describe this and it's not it's not a masterpiece but it is masterful like yeah like I think it's a master class in filmmaking. Yes, yeah. I agree. I agree. I, I agree that every time I take, I watch it, uh, I feel a new way. Like I I take Mm -hmm. away a new perspective. Um, this last time it felt slower, but I really read into that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. I think I'll, I think I'll appreciate this. I think it'll, uh, appreciate in time yes. more and more yes. every time you watch it yeah. and every time i think new people come on into it i think it'll i think with time this film only appreciates absolutely it's just what it is i agree i agree yeah. but i mean with that i think i'm gonna go watch uh a coen's brothers film now which one ballad of buster scrubs dude no i watched that one recently I, that one's good i'm not sure i may i may go into their back catalog maybe uh like what what's the like uh raising arizona maybe i haven't watched that one in a long time what's that one with george clooney oh brother where are thou? yeah that's a good one i feel like that's like a sequel to this or a prequel i guess yeah it kind of feels like in it doesn't way. it yeah yeah it has that that feel to it that's a good one i like i'm kind of craving true grit i haven't seen true, true their true grit in true, a long time i haven't seen true grit till since theaters i think so i who, don't even who was uh the younger girl in that uh Haley Steinfeld yep. is, that, yes. is that her name? Yeah. I can't remember her name. She's gonna be uh Hawkeye's daughter yes. in the new Hawkeye series. Not to mention Disney all Plus. of her acclaimed pop songs. Yeah, I think there's one I actually like, but I don't remember the name. Yeah. She's a good pop artist. Sorry. I know you like folk music, so <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, speaking of that, like since we spoke last, there's been a lot of like disney and marvel like <laughs> yeah reveals they've announced or, or basically like, all of phase four i think yeah so, and yeah. like confirmed the spider-man thing which spider-man thing? that sam raimi spider-man tom holland and oh, andrew yeah. garfield are all in the same yeah that's a pretty cool I, i'm pretty excited for that I'm, not to mention also the villains from those three are also crossing universes oh, so cool. like yeah like uh doc ock from spider-man 2 is going to be in the the newest spider-man yeah. movie and i think we have uh the multiverse movie to the animated movie to thank for that because i don't think if that movie didn't do as well as it did at the box office yeah uh, i think it inspired think it like uh the doctor strange new yeah and then yeah. same thing with ant-man and wasp i think are also doing like a quantum verse like separation right, right, of right. universes thing too so i think the one i'm most excited for is uh wandavision that looks really interesting yeah i'm, I'm intrigued by it 
and the uh the what if animated series yeah that looks pretty cool too honestly uh, the 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 new animated series that are coming out in all facets star wars yeah. marvel and disney right I all was look say, really good like solid, that, really the star solid, wars yeah. animated series looks ridiculous yeah. i need to catch up on uh the what was it called the uh, clone wars series have you i've been wanting to have you seen like the anime clone wars uh i don't think so there's like an anime Star Wars series, and it's like it 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 kind of resembles no, 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 the no. one that you're you're talking about the Animatrix that was last season. No, no, no. I'm thinking of the one where they like released BB-8 was a character in this anime Star Wars series. I don't know. It's super good. I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's super good, and it, it, I feel like it's gonna kind of fall into the same vein of the new Star Wars anime series. Yeah. But I'm oh. I, I like the direction the direction the direction <laughs> I, I like the direction that uh that all of that is going in. I didn't like the last Star Wars movie. Yeah. This one was better. But um as far as Marvel, I'm really excited for uh Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah, I think dude. Ta- Taika Waititi is just incredible. Everything Christian touches, Bale I feel like is also perfect. incredible. Yeah. Uh, He's the villain in this. Yeah. That is all going to be really good. I completely yeah. agree, though. Uh, Taika Waititi actually just signed on for the new Star Wars live action movie, too. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. He was the didn't he direct the Mandalorian episode? He directed season? a Mandalorian episode season? and starred in both Mandalorian and the previous Star Wars movie right. as a yeah. as a droid. But yeah, yeah. he's going to direct a new live action. It's kind of yeah, like in great. the same vein as Rogue One. Like that, oh, that, that's fun. That I same offshoot. Yeah, that's, me too. Got, that's in my top five. Star Wars <laughs> movies or top five movies of all time? Top five Star Wars movies. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Rogue One is super good. It's really good. Yeah. I, I, I wish that we had the previous cut um but even the cut that we got was great yeah so, yeah really uh, so good I'm, I'm happy yeah i'm excited uh hey next season we're or not next season next, next season. season is coming up we're still working yes. on it but the next episode where we have three bonus episodes before next season but the next episode we're talking about la la land la la land yes. yeah <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we we attempted to watch it while <laughs> while you were here on vacation, but uh, I don't remember what, what is it. We got tired. I think we, we watched the tired. whole thing. Did we? Yeah, in two separate settings. We oh, watched yeah, half right. of it one settings, night. Settings, you mean? Yep. Settings. And then no, the, it was next, the same settings. Same settings, settings. Same settings on the television. <laughs> <laughs> New settings. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we just watched uh, it the next morning. But yeah, yeah right. I'm really excited about that. Uh, super excited about that. Yeah, that would be fun. I'm yeah, for that one too. Hey, so, uh, that was nice. Thank you for or for uh, talking to me about uh, one of your favorite movies yes, of all time. That was very kind Lewis. of me. I know you really love this movie. <laughs> yes, I do. I do. I, I love Inside Lewin Davis. I love it. I love it. Same. I love it. Yeah, I love it. <laughs>